Do you want to go down to a 40-hour week without losing revenue? If you're ready to let go of all the extra hours, the stress, the overwhelm, and the clients who hijack your time, consider my signature program, Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind. In it, we'll get your accounting practice under control. We'll fix your pricing problems. I'll show you ways to price so you stop giving away the farm so you bring in more revenue for the work you're already doing. I'll help you disengage the clients who are good people but are holding your business back and slowing you down. I'll help you package up your services and design them so they're easy for your clients to understand and choose from while helping you simplify and standardize what you sell. And we'll focus on making your messaging more interesting and compelling so you attract more of the kinds of clients you want to work with and break out of the hodgepodge of referrals trap. We get your prices up, we get your workload down. We standardize, we simplify, we streamline. And we do this at a pace that feels doable, where you feel confident in every choice you make. Prices up, workload down. Registration is open now. We start Tuesday, May 7th. Come with us. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. My name is Geraldine Carter. This week, we are talking about how to write better proposals without having to be a good writer. Why is this important? Why should you even care about writing good proposals? So what I hear when I listen to CPAs and accountants talk about putting proposals out there is that sometimes it takes a really long time to write them, right? It's an arduous process and you're trying to nail the language and get it right and get it all put together and uh, it's just a time suck. And there's a massive resistance that further reduces the desire to do it. So it takes a lot of time. You can put the proposal out there and it's crickets, like your proposal has just gone into the abyss. You never hear back from the prospect. Sometimes you put the proposal out there. And if you do hear back from the prospect, you have a conversation about it, but they end up not saying yes. So your conversion rate is lower than it potentially could be. Or the last option is without a good proposal, it potentially reduces fees. You could be leaving money on the table because the proposal isn't fully capturing the value of what the client is looking for. But if you have a good proposal, you can likely increase your fees without lowering your conversion rate, and you can get your proposals out the door with much less heartache and in much less time. So what I'll share with you are the pieces of a good proposal, that the discovery meeting is the foundation of writing a good proposal, and then some golden rules to pull it all together. But before I do that, I want to tell you a quick story, and that is that recently it was my birthday and my brother came over for, and the rest of my family came over for a little birthday party. And if you have littles in the background, cover their ears. So he came over with a present and um, had a card and a nice little box that has all kinds of colorings on it and some tissue paper sticking out the top and all the rest. And I opened up the card. I had no idea what he had gotten me. And, um, you know, I was expecting ski socks, the proverbial joke in the family. And the card says, has a picture of a woman, sort of 1950s hairstyle, uh, off the dress, off the shoulder dress, holding a glass of red wine. And it says, wine, how classy people get shit faced, <laughs> which I think is pretty funny. And 
I open it up and it says, happy birthday, darling. But the darling is crossed out and he has a nice little note and it says, oops, I didn't read the card. I didn't read the inside of the card until after I bought it, dot, dot, dot. So already I'm laughing and enjoying the gift that I haven't even opened up yet. Uh, But then I go and I open up the gift and it's, you know, like this colorful box and the whole tissue paper and I'm rooting around inside the tissue paper and inside is a little cabecou cheese, which is my one of my favorite smelly French cheeses and some tapenade and some saucisson and some eggplant caviar and a baguette. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is so great. This is perfect. Now, if my brother had come over with a plastic bag that had inside cabecou, eggplant caviar, olive tapenade and a saucisson and a baguette, (laughs) I would have called that groceries. But instead, it came all appropriately packaged and nicely done and everything. And it was funny and perfectly appropriate and exactly what I wanted. And it was a great gift. And your proposals can sometimes be the same way on the receiving end. If it's just a menu of options with a list of accounting deliverables and some prices associated with them to the client, that just feels like groceries. They're like, uh, like uh, I don't know what this is and I don't know what this does. And I don't know if which of these services gets me any closer to what I want because I don't really understand what all these things are. Like what is bank rec, right? What is write up? What does that actually get me? So if you only deliver your inside your proposal, a menu of options with prices and a little bit of text to go along with it, it just sort of, it misses what the client is looking for. And what the client is really looking for are the pieces that I'm gonna uh, walk you through. So what comprises a good proposal? There are eight sections in a good proposal, but I'm not going to go through all eight of them right now. That would be way too long and you'd probably (laughs) hit the eject button. So I'm just going to go through four and they are the four that keep your proposal alive, right? So just like when you're hypothermic, the body directs blood to the most important pieces, the brain, the heart, the lungs. That's what it needs to stay alive. Your proposal needs a situation appraisal. It needs objectives. It needs service options and it needs payment terms. Okay, so what are all these things? And I'm going to pause here for just a second to tell you that if you want templates of accepted proposals, you can get the PDF that I've put together for this episode. It's at my website, shethinksbigcoaching.com forward slash sample hyphen proposal. And the link to that will be in the show notes so that if you're mowing the lawn or washing dishes, you can just get the link inside the show notes. And having the visual of what this looks like, I think, will will ground this and make it more tangible. So let me walk you through the four sections that are going to keep your proposal alive. Number one, the situation appraisal. This is taking stock of what is currently happening in the client's business, in their accounting, in their financials, in their tax situation, and what they want instead of what they have, and your contribution to their change. You're basically just taking stock of the current situation, what they want instead. It's very short, i.e. two sentences or maybe three, but it's definitely not two paragraphs. Super high level assessment. Objectives are, what are we trying to accomplish? They're business outcomes. They're not tasks. They will usually start with a verb, increase or decrease, or improve or reduce. Because you're covering a delta or you're changing their situation but you're not getting to a specific, like the objective is to make $2 million this year. It's too specific because what if your client, oops, accidentally could have made $3 million, but because mentally they were honed in on making $2 million, they cut themselves short. 
So you don't want to make it so specific, keep the numbers out of it, but just use improve, increase, reduce, decrease to cover the objectives. Keep it simple and high level, but keep it strong. If you just said, for example, make more money, that's not quite strong enough, right? You need to make it a bit more compelling than that. Your objectives help you establish boundaries of what you're doing and what you're not doing, and it helps you and the client focus your effort on what it is you're actually trying to accomplish. Because a lot of business owners will move an inch in every direction all year long and they won't make a meaningful difference. But if you can help them focus on what's most important to change, then you can actually consistently move in that direction and generate real change. When you generate real change, that's the change that they want. That's really valuable for them. And speaking of valuable, your objectives anchor the value. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that fees or prices fall out of value. Your objectives help establish the value and therefore eventually the fees. All right. The third must have in your proposal are the service options. You want to include three options, always three, never four, never five. It's too many. The brain gets paralyzed. Never two because that's too binary. The brain doesn't like it as much as three and definitely never one because one is like an ultimatum. It puts the question in the buyer's head. Do I want to work with Susan? Yes or no. But what happens when you offer three options is the question they ask themselves instead is how do I want to work with Susan? So always three options and the three different options all lead to the same objective. So if the objective is to significantly improve profitability, all three options will significantly improve profitability. And you don't want to include phases. This is specifically for project work, but you can make mention of phases if you have phases potentially going on. But for the purposes of the agreement, just make mention of the phases. Don't include them in this proposal. I said agreement back there, I meant proposal. All right, the last thing that is absolutely necessary to put in your proposal are the payment terms. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I am a huge fan of clear upfront pricing. Your clients deserve a price with which they can make a buying decision. Having a clear set price upfront avoids a lot of headache and a heartache in both directions down the line. So with your payment terms, you can provide two options here. You can, or you could provide multiple options here, but the two most common options you can provide are full payment upfront if it's a project or split in half. The second portion is due, say, 45 days in. Or if you're doing ongoing service, then the obvious choice is to offer monthly payments. And what you can do if you want to, you don't have to, is offer a discount for payment in full upfront. You definitely don't have to do this, but it's a way of offering something up to your client that you can negotiate on and you're negotiating on the payment terms instead of the price itself. And inside your payment terms section, you want to include an expiration date. You don't want your proposal to be open-ended. You want to help your buyer make a decision in short order. 14 days is typically enough. You're welcome to ask them in the discovery meeting if, you know, if two weeks is a long enough time for them to be able to make the decision. Adjust that, obviously, if needed. But what you don't want is your client coming back to you, your prospect coming back to you six months from now and expecting that the proposal and the price is still available. Okay, I mentioned at the outset that a discovery meeting is where all this happens. Having a great discovery meeting makes writing your proposal so much easier. What I see a lot of CPAs doing is offering free consultations. 
And most people, when they come to you, aren't going to have four hours worth of questions to ask you. They're probably going to have 30 or 60 minutes worth of questions that uh, that they would like to get answered. So if you have a free consultation that's an hour long, the risk to you is that you give away the farm, you've given away all this value, and they've gotten their question ans- questions answered, and now they don't imminently need to buy from you anymore. So they go away. So the free consultation is really risky. What I would prefer you to consider is something more like a discovery meeting where maybe you do give away a little bit of value because they think to themselves, oh my gosh, this is really valuable. Imagine the value I would get if I was actually working with the person, but you're not giving away all the value so that there's no longer a need for them to work with you. So think of your discovery meeting and call it whatever version of that you like is more like an interview where you're trying to find out from them what it is they're trying to do in their business. You're trying to understand what it is they want to accomplish. You're trying to understand what it is that's in their way. What are their challenges? What do they not understand? What is it that they need to learn? What do they need to set up and implement? Of course, all in the lane that is financials and tax. But you want to understand what their financially and tax-related challenges are so that you can decide whether or not you're the person, whether or not you're well-equipped to be able to help them. Because you may, in fact, not be the right person for them, depending on where they are in their business. Maybe they're too big for you and they might swamp your capacity or they might be too small for you and they're not ready for you. You want to use your discovery meeting to assess if this is a good fit client for you. And you can do that by asking a bunch of open-ended questions. And if you want to know more about open-ended questions, you can check out episode 106 or 111 with Jonathan Stark, where we talk about value pricing and the why questions. But open-ended questions help the buyer provide a lot of information that will be useful for you. By contrast, closed-ended questions are things that result in a finite sort of pat answer. Anything that's yes or no, or like a one-word answer. So the question, do you have an accountant, is going to be, that's a closed-ended question, yes or no. What software platform are you on? QuickBooks or Xero or FreshBooks? One-word answer. By contrast, you want to ask open-ended questions. Like, tell me what you don't understand right now about your financials. That maybe isn't the best question. If you could understand anything about your financials, what would that be? Right? Where are you stuck right now when it comes to making more money in your business? And you can also ask the value questions, why now? Why this? Why me? So why now sounds like, you know, it's October. What has you calling me now? Why not just wait until January? Or what kept you from reaching out six months ago? It sounds like this has been a problem for a while. And they will offer you a bunch of really great answers and some useful, potentially, information. Why this sounds like, you know, why work with a firm like ours? Why not just let us get you set up on QuickBooks? We'll show you, we'll train you on how to use it, and then you can be off and running on your own. You know, why work with somebody like us in an ongoing capacity when you could have somebody inside your business do it? And why me sounds like, why did you call me instead of, you know, there might be 10 CPAs in a four block radius. Why did you call me? And they might say, you came highly recommended. People say that you're really helpful at explaining things that other people don't take the time to do. You're the only one who returned my phone call. Our business is growing really quickly and we don't have a handle on our books and we need to get on top of stuff because we've got some funding coming down the pipeline and we need to have better financials than what we currently have. Okay, super important information that you can include in your proposal. You can also ask questions like if you could have anything you wanted, if you could make a wave a magic wand, what does a home run look like? Those kinds of questions that help people talk about what their vision is and what they're trying to create. 
Sometimes people don't know what they want. They may not be able to articulate what they want, especially when it comes to financials. So if they're having a hard time describing what they want, you can ask what would be a disastrous outcome. And that'll help them tell you what they currently have, typically, that they no longer want. And you can use your own sort of jujitsu powers to figure out the inverse to get to what they do want. And just remember that they might not be able to tell you, they just lack the vocabulary sometimes to be able to tell you what it is they want. The discovery meeting is the place where you gather all the information. If you can avoid it, you don't want to have a second meeting. Try to get everything you need to be able to write your proposal in one discovery meeting. Typically, you can do that inside 45 minutes or an hour. But remember that you're not giving away the farm in terms of value in that meeting. You're trying to assess if they're a good client to be working with. And what may help you if you aren't doing this already is to adjust the order that this gets done. So typically what happens when a lead finds out about you, they go to your website or something, they make contact, they schedule a meeting, they put time on your calendar. You have the meeting and it's in that meeting that you understand their objectives, you understand the situation appraisal, and you agree on their desired outcomes. It's in the discovery meeting that you agree on the desired outcomes. Then you go away, you write the proposal, then you give them the proposal, then you onboard them with the engagement letter. What often happens is that you've got the lead, the prospect, they make contact, they go to your website, they schedule the meeting, you're establishing the relationship, they say, I need an accountant, I need a CPA, you say, that's me, I can help you, and you deliver a proposal that only contains services. And they look at it and it's hard for them to discern which of the service options is going to be best for them because they can't quite tell which service option is going to lead to their outcome because their desired outcome because they're not the expert. But they get onboarded and then you're working together and six months down the line, they're not satisfied because they're not getting the outcomes they were hoping for because outcomes never got discussed and agreed upon. So now suddenly they're dissatisfied, they're unhappy, they're disgruntled, whatever. They come to you and they're like, oh, this isn't working great. What's going on? And you start talking to them and you ask them, you know, what's going on? What's bothering you? Why are you upset, et cetera? And then they start to tell you all the things that they wanted and you didn't know about it because that conversation didn't happen in the discovery meeting where it would have been much better to have it then rather than six months after you've been working together. So the better order to do things in is they put time on your calendar, you have the discovery meeting, in that discovery meeting you agree on their objectives and their desired outcomes, then you write the proposal, they agree on the proposal and the desired outcomes, and then you onboard them and you're both headed in the same direction. Okay. So a couple of golden rules in getting your proposals out the door. Number one, you want to get it there fast. You do not want this to languish for two weeks. Best case scenario is if you think that this is going to be a good client to work with, that in your discovery meeting, you say something along the lines of, I think we might be a fit for working together. What I'll do is put all this together, summarize it, put it in a proposal, and I will get it over to you and we can meet again later this week to review it together. That'll give you a chance to ask any questions that you might have and we can make a decision about whether or not we want to move forward working together. 
That's the best case scenario, is that in the discovery meeting, you tell them you're going to get them a proposal, you're going to pull it all together, and you're going to meet later this week. Obviously, if you meet on a Thursday, you're not going to meet on a Friday, you can work that out. In the absence of getting a follow-up meeting, what you can do is say something like, great, I'm going to put all this together, I will get a proposal to you by the end of today or by the end of tomorrow, and we can circle back next week. And at that point, if you have any questions about moving forward, we can address it then. But you get the next meeting on the calendar. Because if you don't, then what happens is it just gets buried in their pile of to-dos, which is 18 inches deep. And who knows when you're going to hear from them and you don't know how often to follow up. And then you waste all of this, your own mental energy, wondering when you should follow up and how long should it be and all this, you know, you just do those mental loops. So get the follow-up meeting scheduled on the calendar. Best if you can walk them through the proposal live in person, in air quotes, um, then emailing it to them and having them review it on their own. But sometimes circumstances dictate. Make your proposal error-free. People read between the lines. If they want an accountant who does things accurately, they also want that reflected in the proposal. If you think your proposal might have some jargon in it that's a bit too technical, run it by a regular layperson and have them circle the stuff, the phrases, the terms that don't make sense to them. You want your proposal to be a good faith capture of what you talked about. You might not get all their words exactly as they said them, but what you don't want to do is stuff your proposal with ideas that never got talked about. And I saw this happen once with one of my clients. We were sending out a big proposal that was worth a couple hundred thousand dollars. We'd gone back and forth. We had it pretty tight. It was an accurate reflection of what he and the prospect had talked about. And at the 11th hour, he stuffed an idea in about being part of the proceeds of the sale of the business that never got discussed anywhere. And he promptly torpedoed a multi-hundred thousand dollar proposal. Don't do that. Keep your proposal brief, maximum five pages. Most of the proposals that I work on with my clients that I see go out the door are typically two and a half to three and a half pages. The list of service options, if you want to include that, becomes goes in the addendum. Avoid putting it in the middle because most often your prospects are not going to understand the details of the deliverables and the services and what's right up and what's bank rack. And that's going to distract them from what's most important, which is that you understand what they're trying to achieve. You can help them do it. Here's how it works. Here's how much it costs. So you can include the service options, but put it last as an addendum. Okay, so putting it all together, great proposals start with solid discovery meetings. Make sure you're set up to get the information that you need in the one discovery meeting. It will make writing your proposal so much easier. The four pillars that you need, that you absolutely need that keep your proposal alive are the situation appraisal, the objectives, the service options, and the payment terms. And remember the golden rules, get it there fast, Have a clear next step in place, make it error-free, make a good faith attempt to capture accurately what was discussed, and keep it under five pages. Being able to write good proposals relatively expediently will help you get more proposals out the door, it'll get better proposals out the door, it will improve your conversion rates, and it will likely help you improve your prices. 
So I hope that was helpful. Remember that you can grab the free template and sample proposal at my website, shethinksbigcoaching.com forward slash sample hyphen proposal. The link to it is in the show notes. And that is it for me. I hope you have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Registration is open now, but it won't be for long. Go to GeraldineCarter.com now to enroll today.